0: Om gam ganapataye namaha Om gam ganapataye namaha Om gam ganapataye namaha
1: Welcome to Study Buddy meditation philosophy for the heart of your practice. This is a live online discussion of ancient yogic texts amongst meditation practitioners in the Shambhavananda yoga tradition. My name is Acharya Satyam, resident teacher at Lani Yoga Ashram in Hawaii, and I welcome you with love and respect. Hey everyone welcome thank you so much for being here wow looks like we got a lot of people welcome so tonight we're going to look at shiva sutra 3.19 and um what we find in shiva sutra 3.19 is that we can escape the lassos of the mind and the senses that are always pulling us off center through, you guessed it, surrender, but particularly we're going to look at a way to really use our practice in the midst of our life, and we're going to look at that from a few different angles, and uh, I think this is going to be a really fruitful one for uh, your day-to-day life because it has already proven to be extremely fruitful for me preparation for this and uh, I think it has a lot to do with with being a yogi in the world and no matter if your world's an ashram or if your world's a you know business or if your world's in the forest so um, before we get started we'll move over to Abhaya and do a little bit of movement to get centered in our seat and then we'll dive into the sutra
0: hi everybody can you hear me okay yeah Um, so We're gonna do something new today. Normally we barely move and it's only the spine. Our arms are gonna be a part of our movement. Um, And so if you haven't um, been doing yoga, that's okay. Everything should be really gentle and should feel really nice. So just relax and connect with your breath. And then ever so gently start to circle the shoulders and it shouldn't be your end range of motion can be really really tiny so it feels relaxing and there's no strain and you can barely feel the muscles working doesn't matter how far the shoulders move try going the opposite direction and it's okay if it feels a little bumpy Just move really slowly and quietly. And Satyam's gonna play the music in a moment. So just a warning. Continue to focus inside. And just let the sweetness and the gentleness of the music inform your motion let the shoulders start to settle on the back. And just notice any sense of space in the neck and the tops of the shoulders. And float the arms to a T if that's comfortable. They can be lower if that doesn't feel good. And then you can't see my hands. Um, Flip your right palm up. Leave your left palm down. You can see his hands instead. Um, And very slowly start to. Um, lengthen the right side of the body so your arms stay at a T almost like you're banking on a breeze like a hawk flying and then flip the palms and bank the other way we should take a video this is so beautiful to see the Sangha flying through the astral realm together and just now slowly move at your own pace and you can even close the eyes because can help you Just tune inside and feel one side of your body lengthening. It doesn't matter how far you go, but let that creation of space on that one side be what tips you over. And the next time you're tipped over to the left, the fingertips can come to the earth or the hand can come to the hip, depending on if you're in a chair on the floor. And just ever so gently point the hand forward so the spine rolls forward just a little bit and then let the hand open up letting the heart open any amount you don't want any strain in the shoulder if that felt okay can do it a couple more times then move really gently again it never matters how far you go but just try to feel the arm letting the spine open and then letting the spine round The next time you come through center, return to your bird wings. Flip the right palm down, left palm up, and bank. The other way, we'll switch sides. Actually, do that a couple times. It's just pretty fun to see you flying. And it feels good. I see lots of smiles. That's a good sign. Next time you're over to the right, right fingertips to earth or hand on the hip. And then just ever so gently reach the arm forward and notice how it allows the spine to just roll and curve so the heart's pointed slightly toward the earth and then slightly up to the sky. And just do that a couple times on your own and it doesn't matter what the physical body is doing as long as there's no pain. It's really about just feeling and tuning in to your consciousness moving through space. The next time you're at center, Reach the arms out to T very slowly, float back up, and then just melt the arms down. Hands can rest wherever's comfortable, on the lap or beside you. And just come to stillness, and notice any sense of being able to better witness the breath, better witness your inner dimension. By becoming more present through the physical form, and now we'll move beyond the physical form into our philosophy class.
1: Thanks, by That was fantastic. Felt really good. All right, let's try pronouncing "kavarga dishu." Kavarga dishu. This next one is pretty challenging. Maheshwaryadhyah Maheshwaryadhyah Pashu Matara Pashu Matara It's probably one of, our, our, in my opinion, one of the most challenging linguistically. Kavargadishu Maheshwaryadhyah Pashu Matara Kavarga dishu Maheshwaryadya Pashyumattara In the world of letters, words, and sentences, the eight energies of the Lord, who are the mothers of beasts, take control and hold him or hold them. As I said in the introduction, in the sutra we see that the, uh, the world of words and of the senses are like lasso's that are thrown over us constantly and are pulling us away from center, from every direction. Inside, outside, the ears, the senses, the taste buds, uh, the mind at all three levels all surrounding us and pulling us out of our center. And when we do get pulled out of our center, we forget. We forget who we, who we are. And that's a theme, right, in the yogi tradition. Um, Paul Reps quotes the Upanishads in one of his, his books. And I really liked the way he translates this section. He says, this is from the Upanishads, Who is that effulgent one directing eye to form and ear to sound? That effulgent one is us. But when we direct our energy and our awareness to the senses or the mind, we forget. We literally become that which we focus on. And through our practice, through the practice we'll talk about tonight, through the Inside of the sutra, we find that we can actually rise above the lassos of the mind and the senses by connecting to the heart it's funny because we always picture our heart being below right but we'll see in the tattvas that the heart is above and when you connect to that space you are above the reality that attempts to ensnare you while you move through it and we find that we actually become much more skillful at our reality this is what I found in the time preparing for this presentation insights come through as babaji says we finally start to see what's possible instead of just what we want from a situation that's a big leap Right. so teaching from the heart is a really common expression in our tradition we've all we've all heard it we all aspire towards it as teachers or in a, a student setting, let's say we're the student and we're we're with Babaji or any another kind of student setting in our practice, we try to open our heart and learn from our heart, right? Or we try to perform tasks from the heart, like with Seva. It, it just comes up in every dimension of what we do. And so initially, it can, it can seem in the beginning um, that these are two different things. There's our heart, and then there's... The dishes or there's our heart and then there's this lecture that's happening right now Right, it can seem like two di- We're trying to be in two places at once That's sort of the mind's interpretation of that statement But what we see in the yoga interpretation is that the heart is not actually separate from your reality the heart is actually the source of your reality The heart is where shiva and shakti are dancing. That's where the first Manifestation of reality begins it comes from the heart and out We see this in the tattvas um, That the tattvas for anyone who's new to this are the yogic interpretations uh, the yogic sort of uh, map of how how reality forms from the uh, sometimes called like the germ the initial germ of of uh, Shiva and Shakti uh, and they their dance literally creates reality and it, it sort of waterfalls down from a single point to become just infinite reality like so many different things And so we at the top of this chart, we have Shiva and Shakti, these two sides of the same coin. Um, And their play, their movement, um, creates something that's called like an urge. An urge, which is not actually a thing yet. It's an urge that becomes a thought, that becomes an action, that becomes a thing. So the quote from the sutra says when Lord Shiva desires to manifest themself in this world Then the Svatantriya Shakti meaning like Shakti Shiva and Shakti transform into the energy of will and That will is like an urge and we are told and we are taught That this will sort of starts in the heart and this is something we experience every single day When you perform an action, if you trace that action back, it came from a thought, and then that thought came from an urge, some need. And so this is literally how we experience every single thing we say or do throughout our day. We talk about this, and I'm going to go to the next slide, but it's the same slide with a little bit more Sanskrit on it. But I wanted to just take a second to you know, you see Shivan Shakti and it's working its way down the heart, the throat, the mouth. I'm about to describe that, and then eventually to all manifestation, which look like these lasso guys. And um so when we talk about mantra and we talk about uh, vibration, um we see this same chart with a with a few extra terms on it. And so we see the heart as described as like the source of our mantra. And in yogic manifestation, this is the urge I was talking about it's called icha shakti You don't have to remember any of this and at the let when you're doing mantra um, This is considered the Pashyanti level of the mantra which is the most powerful level of the mantra It's the mantra before it has been diffused into anything else. It's just pure energy pure vibration and from there, the man- the mantra or the words that we're going to use in our everyday life, uh, it rises up to the throat. And this is sort of Shiva and Shakti uh, sort of coming closer and closer into reality. And so pure energy here, but then at the throat, go ahead and swallow and just bring a fingertip right here to where the uh, collarbones meet. And so the throat, this is said to be the, uh, this is called Gyana Shakti. Gyana means knowledge. And so this is where thoughts sort of begin according to the the sutras. And this is the madhyama level of mantra. So when you're doing mantra like you can just ohm right now. Oh. You can feel that ohm in the throat. You can feel it a little bit deeper than than just the ohm that we're used to maybe saying or hearing out loud. It feels like oh yeah, that's that's more inside of me swallowing helps to release any tension we might hold here from the our talking throughout the day and from this level it seems like almost instantaneous that it goes to the lips in the mouth and you can literally just touch your cheeks real quick or your lips and oh what's funny is I to even feel it in my mouth, I found myself oming at like a higher pitch, and to feel it down here, I found myself oming at a lower pitch. Not that I'm a master of music, but it, there was something interesting happening there. The mouth is considered the 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 source of the action of the word. It finally, action takes shape. Uh, this is the word kriya in Sanskrit, action, action tatva, the action shakti, um, and that is also called the vikari level of a mantra. Meaning, hey, this is where we start from, this is where we say it from, but it's considered to be a very diffused level of mantra. Almost like a little bit watered down in a sense. And then from the mouth, out here, this is, ev- look around you, how many things are in the room you're sitting in. I wonder if I really counted them all up. It'd probably be like 20,000 things, you know, there's five petals on a flower there's just so many things in differentiation it's like infinite and that sort of represents like from this level boom it just goes it's it's so many and so that's the the rest of differentiation and so it's easy to lose our center once we go out here it's weird it's almost like it's exponential like it's like the heart to the throat sort of a gradual and then the throat to the mouth, it's sort of like a little bit quicker. And then as soon as you leave the mouth, it's like gone. It's like that exponential. Whew. And so we see in this sutra, this moment described the following way. And I, I do like to mix it up a little bit. Um, Radharani, can you see the screen pretty well enough to read? Would that be all right? Cool, thanks. Go for it. Cool, thanks. Go for it.
2: The eight lassos. In the center of Brahmarandra is situated the supreme energy of Lord Shiva, the divine mother, surrounded by the eight divine mothers of beasts. In their hands, they hold the lassos, Brahma Pasha, which entangle and bind one with limitation, keeping one from the unlimited state. These supreme terrible Mahagora Shaktis, create disturbance and ignorance again and again, and are very difficult to conquer.
3: Thank you. Excellent.
1: So it, I mean, you know, we love this kind of stuff when it's on Netflix, right? Uh, (laughs) uh, This is why people, like, uh, and I'll get right to that. It's like the eight divine mothers of beasts and they've got these lassos and they're supremely terrible and create disturbance ignorance. Like if you were creating a show, that would sound exciting, you know? And to be perfectly honest, these ancient texts, you know, They were written, and they were like poetic. Um, So whether or not it has to be this uh, literal translation, whether that serves you or not, if it serves you, great. If it distracts you, let it go, get more to the, um, what's it metaphorically telling us, is that we're situated in this sort of circle, and think about yourself right now. It's like the world is like a circle around you, right? And Things are sort of coming to you from all directions, constantly pulling your attention where? Away from center, right? And so, and they are, this is difficult to conquer, and it takes sort of repetitious work again and again. And Jaganmati already asked a really cool question, which is why I think this class is so special, because there's, I never would have thought of this question. You know, is this why people take vows of silence? Has anyone here ever done a little vow of silence for a limited amount of time? Can I see hands? Just curious. Cats nodding. and on Wow, that's a group of yogis when like a majority of people have taken vows of silence at some point. That's really that's why this is a sangha. We share a very unique uh, perspective. Excellent. And then from the chat room. Thank you. So I have two. Uh, and I got to be honest. I wish I could more often. Uh, do, did all of you enjoy your vows of silence? It's so special. It's so special. I mean, I learned so much. Uh, it's not always super functional, though, right? You can't, like, actually, unfortunately, it's like we can't just do it whenever we want. Um, and hopefully, it's sort of like coming from your teacher sometimes or associated with someone that can guide you on it. But what you learn from that is uh, priceless. And it's true, it's because there's so much going out from center all the time. Sure. Abaya is always here to help me uh, navigate all these waters. And she says, would anyone like to share a little about like any kind of
3: little, you know, gains they made from such a vow and why that was meaningful to you? Sure, j go for it.
4: Um, I was gonna say first, so can you guys hear me? Yeah, really well. Okay, cool. Um, so I, because I'm a single mom, I couldn't do it 24 seven, I had to work, but I took a vow to be silent from sundown to sun up during an upper level teacher training. Um, and I, well, I found a couple of things, like so on the mundane level, I realized that I talked to my cat a lot, <laughs> which I didn't realize. <laughs> Um, so I, I just realized how much I talked that I just wasn't really paying attention to, but I also found that I was able to sleep, go to sleep easier at night in silence. And I also found that, um, it saved a lot of energy. (laughs) Really? It really saved a lot of energy. That was probably my, the biggest thing I took away from it. Mm it also helps ground vata, which I'll add that too, if anybody else has issue with that, being quiet really helps with that.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's all like really valuable and helpful. Hmm. So you notice things that you simply could not have noticed,
1: because these lassos are so subtle, I guess, they're not always pulling on us, they're very subtle, they're like doing this, they're just sort of doing that when you're talking to the cat you know it's just this little little pole and then and also like there's these ramifications of that pole meaning um when we live a little off center for example and just in this one example was sometimes parts of our life are just more complicated than they have to be something so, so as simple as sleep suddenly just just that little drawback towards center and suddenly thing you didn't even maybe know you had control over like oh I, I did have a little control over that i was affecting that and who knows how many other subtle things you know are occurring in that way So that's this is sort of leading towards a a, a mini sankalpa that i didn't foresee
3: <laughs> yeah
1: i see is that a hand or a okay that's a hand go for it bob
2: all right uh, this this is a very small kind uh vow of silence but it's very easy if you are driving in your car especially if you're by yourself but even if you're with other people it if you don't turn the radio on and just listen Maybe to your mantra in your heart, see how long you can keep it there. Hmm. And uh, I discovered uh, driving one time that it was hard to go for about two or three telephone poles without having to pull my mind back. So I started working on that. And uh, the other day I made it from Costco to Holueloa and uh, I felt wonderful. So
1: oh. you that's, know that. That's it, just the idea that you are using the telephone poles as a guide and that you actually know how far you made it. I just, that is amazing. It's amazing. That's just, to me, that just like means everything. Like, what a practitioner, just going after it. It's really cool. Mahalo. Yeah, right on. Yeah, there's just so many opportunities in our day, you know, it's just when we're when we're looking for him and I think this sutra brings to attention one of one of the bigger opportunities just the very nature of of talking or even of listening and we even see it also with the senses because it's not even talking or listening it's like just when
3: encountering your senses as well like staying centered with that do you want to share
0: um are we going to move on in a moment
3: Oh, I have so much material, okay. but I am so, ex-
1: I'm, this is the <laughs> I, best part. So I've just got, I've got decades of material.
0: So. I just wanted to say something I noticed before we moved on. There it was that for all the people that raised their hand about taking vows of silence, there was almost like this subtle smile. Like there was like a fondness as you raised your hand. And then both Jema and Bob expressed the like, Almost the joy and delight that came to them from being silent, though that wasn't probably necessarily mm-hmm. the goal or uh, not Good an point. expectation. Um, I like to talk, so I I just wanted to almost like have that take root inside of of like this potential. If I don't talk all the times that I want to talk, um, the the delight that that can occur from the inside
3: so um i'm just sharing what i'll be working with yeah and if anyone else was excited to share please go ahead otherwise we'll just move in
1: we're going to keep this topic going but i don't want to skip over anyone who's like okay all right so just to make it so that we're we're have a little bit clearer idea of um, how many lassos we're talking about. <laughs> it says there's eight of them. And that's why you've probably, I don't know, have you all seen um, the movie, The Eight Lassos? That's why I thought this was, no, it's because I made it up. I just made it up for the sake of this slide. So, um, so The Eight Lassos sounds like a great Yogi Western. And um, basically, three of these uh, lassos are the mind. Anybody know the three aspects of the mind that we always talk about off the top of their head? Radharani, go ahead, unmute, go for it.
2: I remember Booty, but I then I re- realized the other two. I can't cool. remember. All
1: right, Dayalan, what's the other one? Ahamkara. There you go, that's number two. We got Booty and Ahamkara. There's one more.
0: Oh, I got it. Okay. But I want to give someone yeah. else a chance.
1: <laughs> Who else has it? Cat's probably just letting us have it because she knows it. Bob, go for it. Uh,
2: it's the one that is ruled by Thomas. The, oh. the... Okay. you got the pig, the rooster, and the snake. <laughs> you you <laughs> okay. haven't seen that in Tonkas?
1: Uh, okay. No, no, but that's great. Yeah. Is... Udi
2: is the snake. It just sits and watches. Ahamkara is the rooster, and he goes... I'm me. And yeah, keep to me. going about it. And then yeah. Thomas is the pig that just snuffles around looking for facts. Wonderful.
3: It does and
0: sound like the word. Thomas yeah. It, too. It,
1: yeah. manas, but it, it is associated with the uh, quality of Tomasic. Um, so yeah, manas, which is like the sensor, the constant sensory input aspect. So we've got all this input coming in are associating with it egotistically. Not It doesn't mean a bad thing. It just means like you're associating with it and then you're observing it. Those are the three lassos of the mind. And then there's the five uh, additional lassos of each of the senses. And so all of these are um, surrounding us. We're in the center of these. Um, and then when they do uh, grab hold, uh, the sutra tells us this. Roseanne, are you able to read off the screen? Do you want to try reading this one? Or is some, are you on like a mobile device? I see a, I see a hesitation. got to unmute.
2: Try.
3: I'll okay. try. Okay.
2: Um, words and sentences pierce their minds and make them weep, make them smile, make them laugh, make them joyous, make them happy, and make them sad. By the penetration of the sounds of the letters, words, and sentences, they are oppressed with the delusion, moha, created by those who rule limited beings, process. This is the essence of this sutra.
1: So as the words, and thank you, Roseanne, great job. As the words and sentences, you know, like for example, that you're hearing, uh, sort of get their hook in, um, they can create a whole myriad of experience. Um, and the problem is that that you're sort of just along for the ride. You know, you don't know where it's going to take you. It could go anywhere, and it usually always does, right? Just, and uh, and so. What ends up happening is uh, we either a, get quite exhausted by this experience, or, or drained, you know, another way of saying it. Um, and then essentially we sort of lose a connection inside, and we start to depend on those words. So we go from like, "Oh, this is so fun to like, either A, I'm exhausted," or B, I need this now just to know who I am, to know what I'm interested in, to know what fun it's. And so that's uh, the oppression of delusion that uh, is slowly but surely created by by within us when we become ruled by the, uh, by these words. So we're Shambhavananda yogis. We're not uh, here to accept or reject uh, words. We got to learn how to live with them. Um, something as simple as a uh, a vow of silence can give us a taste of what we're after. There's no doubt about it. We all know we have to come back. We have to come out of the cave at some point um, to explore what's possible for living in this world of words and senses. And to that end, the sutra offers us two methods. um, The Savikalpa method
3: and the Nirvikalpa method. Um, The savi kalpa
1: method is when you personally identify with the words that you're in your senses that you're either hearing or, or outputting and the near vikalpa method is when you uh don't personally identify with those words or senses uh, but are but are aware of them the vikalpa part that they both share that the word vikalpa Is something you maybe have recognized from like the yoga sutras when you've read it, um, how the very first sutra says the follow, you know, uh, all the practices of yoga are here to calm the thought waves of the mind. The Kalpa is, is the thought waves. Um, and, uh, Meru, if it's handy for you to
3: unmute, can you, uh, read this quick little quote for us? There are, there are two ways to observe this garland of letters, as savikalpa or as nirvikulpa. The Sanskrit word savikalpa means "with varieties of thoughts, and "Vyaculpa means "without varieties of thoughts.:
1: Thanks. Good to see you, by the way. Good to see you right on: The garland of letters. Yeah, you know, there's uh, eight classes of letters in Sanskrit, and each class has uh, like six or seven uh, sounds in it, so there's about 50 letters, and so it forms almost like a garland that we sort of wear almost around us, and so this garland of letters uh, can either be uh, taken with varieties of thoughts or without
3: varieties of thoughts. What does that mean? What does that mean? Take a moment. You know, offer a,
1: your reflections on what, why, what, what, what is distinguishing about that? Because that's what we're given in the sutra. With varieties of thoughts or without varieties of
3: thoughts. I'll give you a little bit more in a second. I'll say this: sabi uh,
1: The idea of having with varieties of thoughts is ensnaring. That's when you're caught. And without variety of thoughts is when you're not caught. And so we sort of see that it's not about the words. It's whether the words are stirring the mind. How much, how
3: much is this experience stirring your mind? When you can have an experience, be in your senses
1: or talk or listen, uh, without too much stirring of the mind, you know you have the nirvikalpa experience, basically. Now, Rudy told us in his magic ratio, which has been interpreted as anywhere from five percent to thirty or forty percent, that we don't we we don't need a lot of energy to understand what's being said. We're done in our environment, as much as we think. We just need a little bit of energy to understand what I'm saying right now. And the rest of your energy could be
3: slowly but surely sinking inwards. The mind has a hard time with that concept.
1: The mind always wants to be all or nothing. Oh, if I'm not grabbing on to every single word that is being said, I'll miss it. Um, if I'm not, you know, if I really like don't think about, overthink about what I'm doing, I'll mess it up. And I I think you're right for questioning that because that's the best the mind can do the mind can't see beyond that possibility we see in the tattvas that the mind um is actually the 14th 15th and 16th tattva that's way down the mountain this stuff we're talking about is up here so yeah the mind can't see it it doesn't have the perspective. It's literally not there. It literally can't see this possibility of functioning at this higher level. So it, when, we can, um, when we start to experiment with bringing our awareness to our heart while we talk or while we listen or while we act, whatever job you may be performing, um, there is a little bit of a leap of faith for our mind we have to sort of like let leave the mind behind and we have to go past it on this climb in our practice
3: that's very true and very real now normally i just stop there and that would be the end of the sutra but
1: I found this little opening from a Rudy satsang that I wanted to share. Uh, And it's, it's a funny metaphor that I'm not used to hearing from him. So hang in there with me on it. You may or may, if you're new, you know, Swami Rujananda is a lineage teacher. He's Babaji's guru. And um, our lineage has given us so many ways to understand this concept of having one's attention in the heart while performing or saying or interacting with our life. infinite ways but in this rudy satsang he specifically talks about how life is so much more than a business exchange he says we need to know that the other person in any kind of transaction cares about us
3: we need to support each other
1: on an energetic level a level that is beyond the words we're saying It's not enough to listen or to talk or to act. We have to do that with our attention in the heart. And he says, this is what makes our life like worth living. And this is where we get our nourishment and our day-to-day interactions. He gives this interesting example of, he says, babies and after World War II, there were many orphaned children. And they found that even if they gave the babies Uh, enough food and water and every, all the bare, you know, all the necessities on a physical level that did not guarantee their health or survival, that they needed someone to pick them up and handle them. And uh, he says, in our everyday life, this is literally still the case. He's like, you don't just feed a baby, you feed them, there's an exchange you're giving, they're receiving. He says, and then there's the burping the burping of the baby, and he says that sort of symbolizes that extra, that extra something that you do that is beyond just the give and the take, that means, like, I care, you know, and that um, I'm willing to just sort of help. Now, we're talking about our practice here, and you know, you may or may not, if you're new to this, you may not know You know, we're not talking about going around hugging individuals. That's commonly uh, a misnomer. It's, It's not, this is an example, but we're actually doing this on an energetic level. And so when you breathe into your heart while you're listening to someone talk, whether it's in a meeting or it's a friend or whatever, you are sort of, that's the greatest
3: gift you could give them in that moment. And of course, vice versa, you know, if you're giving, then being in your heart while you're giving is the greatest
1: gift. Even if you're by yourself, Babaji uh, once said in satsang, if you're out hiking in nature, take a breath into your heart, take a breath into your navel, harmonized don't just take pictures you know so it's this surrender quality this sort of like letting go uh stepping back from all of this interaction for a second and like almost like burping yourself letting it oh uh, you know just sit and work its way through letting the air out know letting the reactions go just let just let it pass through so I want to meditate with this um, now if possible so you're welcome to move a
3: little bit in your seat to ensure that you're able to sit still uh, comfortably And so go ahead and begin by just regulating your breath, making the inhale and exhale smooth and even. Keep a little bit of effort in that exchange that's occurring. How much effort does it take? to smooth out your breath. How much effort does it take to make it about the same length? Inhale and exhale. You may notice that it takes so little effort that it's almost hard to use that small of effort. Can you use a little bit less effort than you're using right now? When you use less effort, you have to actually feel what's happening. You have to be more present. Which is funny, right? Because I thought to be more present, you had to use more effort. And you can bring the mantra ham to the inhale, sa to the exhale, the silent mantra of the breath. And as you repeat this mantra, you can feel you might be repeating it from the head. That's where we all start. As if you were saying it with your mouth. But let your attention sink a little bit deeper, swallow, and let your attention sink down towards the throat, the base of the throat. Here, the mantra is almost like an echoing voice. It doesn't feel like it's coming just from you, but It feels like it's coming from around you. Feel the spaciousness of your body, not just the front of the body. Feel the entire form of your body And from here, let your awareness sink little by little towards the spaciousness of the heart. As your awareness sinks in towards the heart. Your experience of reality gets a little more expansive. Feel the back side of the heart. Notice the spine. Feel the space around you in all directions as you sink in. The mantra, Hamsa, is no longer just syllables, but an experience. I am that. With each breath, experience what you are. let yourself release as if you were being supported in this process. Rudy said that when he sat with Nityananda,
1: Nityananda fed him energetically, but God burped him. God helped him digest what he was receiving.
3: Imagine you can receive such help right now. Receive the breath, receive the mantra. And then let some part of yourself deeply release and be loved. Feel deep support. Take your time transitioning. And so what I find to be very important about this teaching from Rudy is that it's not all or nothing.
1: You receive, you give, and then you digest you surrender you soften and you sort of let it go for a minute let it just
3: sort of be and that's you just going inside and that when we do this we
1: support the other person that we're in an exchange with we support ourselves and our growth we support the exchange so it's a really sort of powerful process um, that I'd love to offer for you to try this week. So we have a unique situation where next week, um, because of some scheduling uh, requirements by um, present by uh, future presenters, we need to make next week a study buddy. And funny thing is, is Mabai um, and I are visiting our families uh, for the first time in a couple of years. Um, and we're going to be gone next week. So, um, I'm, I've asked a lot of the philosophy presenters to sort of like really work with this, this week and to come ready to discuss. And I asked, ask the same of you, if you could bring this into your life a little bit, take a look at Sutra 3.19 next week, we're actually going to listen to, or you're going to listen to the original, the, the Rudy Satsang that I was referring to. I'll have it as an audio for us to meditate with, and also share about what it felt like to uh, let your attention sink into your heart during day-to-day interactions. What opportunities did it offer? I've been doing it, and it is immediately effective. It doesn't take days or weeks. It's literally effective within minutes when you really try it. Uh, It's instantly obvious. And so very, uh, I'd love to talk more about that with you. What other angles on the sutra uh, that you find fruitful? You know, what does it mean to not take words personally, but to hear these words? Does that help you in family settings? You know, when somebody says something that's, you know, oh, that was weird, but you can see through it and connect to the love that Babaji talks about with his mom, for example. There's so many ways. So hopefully next week, we arrive, um, Dayan will be emceeing the the, the, the class and uh, Jatilo will have the Rudy Satsang ready and Leila Bhakti is going to play some Kanesh Mantra. So, uh, and then it's sort of an open question session and then we'll meditate with Rudy. Um, so thanks everyone. Namaste. That's the scoop. And uh, thank you for your... Uh, unwavering attention. I'm going to zoom out here and uh, take off the screen so I can wave. Hope you all have a great week um, and look forward to hearing how the discussion goes next week. Thanks for being here.
0: J Sri Ram Sitaram, J J Sri Ram Sitaram J J Sri Ram Sitaram Sri Ram Sitaram, Jai Jai Shri Ram Sitaram.